Hi, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Manufacturing Talks. My guest today is John Lachlan, CTO of NGen Canada, the nonprofit organization leading Canada's global innovation cluster for advanced manufacturing. He's here to talk about their new $35 million EV value chain program. So uh, earlier uh, this week, last week, I think uh, we saw the announcement coming out of NGen about the uh, uh, the EV fund, and uh, obviously it's very relevant for our audience. So I just wanted to dive in and hope to get a bit more information for our readership and any uh, you know potential uh, advanced manufacturers and startups looking to uh, take a chunk out of the the EV pie here in Canada. Um, so I guess uh, uh, to start off, I'm I'm curious, I guess how the announcement came together, and and uh, if you can just give me a little bit of a, a background on on um, uh, what you're hoping to see and 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 why this is coming now. So NGEN, the not-for-profit, we uh, received funding from the federal government to um, invest in advanced manufacturing, to strengthen manufacturing here in Canada. Uh, th the reason why we decided to do a very specific uh, targeted program for EVs is, is just um, the, the huge opportunity that Canada has right now. Um, we've seen lots of landmark, like really foundational investments and announcements from, from, from governments, provincial and, and federal. Um, um, what we're trying to do is, is create more value content within the value chains that can support some of those big landmark landmark investments. So, um, you know, we're looking at what advanced manufacturing, uh, you know, the, the opportunities of advanced manufacturing. Um, we believe that by, you know, using the most advanced technologies, looking at new processes to have strong environmental, you know, impacts, reduce costs, increase quality, all, all this great stuff can make manufacturers more competitive. And if they're more competitive, um, higher quality, you know, unique selling points around environmental processes, then then that will increase the content of um, Canadian manufacturers within the sort of value chains as they grow. Um, it, it's particularly timing, timely. I mean, it's 2023, a number of big announcements. There's, there's a lot of EV facilities sort of Ramping up, coming on board 2024, 2025, 2028 for um, VW Parco. Uh, so being able to build, you know, strong value chains now, um, thinking that this is an R&D program, so we need to do, there is some new knowledge and learning as part of this, um, means our manufacturers are going to be, you know, online and, and um, contributing significantly more uh, within the value chain. No, absolutely. And uh, I, I'm glad uh, you said all that. It, it makes sense uh, from the perspective of strengthening the Canadian economy and, and uh, creating and maintaining jobs here. Uh, with, with, that, with that sort of idea in mind, I'm curious uh, uh, which particular, obviously the electric vehicle supply chain is um, uh, spans a, a broad number of industries. I'm curious if there's a particular part of the EV manufacturing and battery supply chain that needs the most support or you're hoping to see addressed in these proposals. You know, I, I've noticed in just uh, briefly from the, the engine call for proposals, obviously there's vehicle light weighting, hydrogen fuel cell, processing and production of minerals. So I'm just curious from your perspective, what are you hoping to see addressed? Yeah, so we picked those six areas um, to, to look at sort of the broader electric vehicle supply chain and fuel cell vehicles or electric vehicles as well. I wouldn't say that we're particularly trying to pick a winner, so to speak. We, we just see that there's growth opportunities in, in all of those areas. And, and parts of the current Canadian value chain are actually very strong and parts are emerging and they're emerging as the volumes increase. So um, we're not particularly going to target or bias towards we're going to focus on batteries. What we're thinking about is yes, the battery is a significant 
you know, significant part of the, the, the cost of the vehicle. You know, it's a third. But the electrical powertrain, it's 75% of the cost of electrical powertrain, but 25% is electric machines and power electronics and, and, and things that Canada can, you know, Canadian companies can pivot to today quite quickly. We recognize these are new value chains that are growing. And some will need big investments to be stood up as as new kind of capabilities, new materials, new um, you know processing of, of minerals, the the battery you know the battery facility themselves. Some are easy to pivot into, and some exist, and we're just growing. Um, so we're, what we're looking for is companies that can adopt new advanced manufacturing technologies into these processes, create new processes themselves, but and that have really strong commercialization plans in order to get their product to market. You referred to strong. Uh, you're looking at you know proposals with, uh, from companies with strong commercialization plans, um, and I'm curious. I guess uh, if we can dive in a little bit more there, I'm curious how you would define a strong commercialization plan. Like what what do you want to see from them when it comes to that commercialization? Yeah. The companies are sort of embedded within the value chain, and this isn't kind of a completely new. Um, I've got this idea, but okay. they're fully aware of upstream and downstream within the value chain. Where they sit, and that they've got a strong route to market. They know who their competitors are nationally and internationally. Um, they know the market size. They know how the market's growing. Um, they can, you know, have strong projections as to realistic market share and, and and connectivity within the supply chain to know that they'll be able to, you know, it, it will actually enter in. It, ultimately, the a lot of these components show they're going to end up in a, an OEM um, through a tier one. So, do you have growing or strong relationships within your downstream supply chain in order to sort of enter into that. So we're, we're, we're keen to sort of make sure that companies have thought that through um, and can demonstrate that to us. Bearing in mind that the market's still growing and the volumes are still increasing. You know, we've got, we've got some really good examples of some companies, uh, Polar Sapphire, for example, um, doing high quality alumina. You know, they, they can supply the semiconductor industry and the automotive industry, which is fantastic, right? So they are able to get, um, develop, iterate their processes, their manufacturing become stronger, scale up volumes in other sectors while, you know, the EV volumes are coming online. So, you know, companies like that that have got really strong, robust business models are of interest to us because they'll, they'll you know, those are the ones that we're, we're keen to sort of supercharge and, and, you know, help them get more advanced capabilities and technologies. No, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I'm glad we went into uh, what we mean by strong commercialization plan. Um, sort of related to that, I'm curious. Um, I know that uh, Engine also said that uh, you know they're they're looking at proposals from companies with a short to medium path to commercialization in terms of length of time, short to medium path to commercialization. Um, so I'm, what I mean by that is, and, and you mentioned a few years, obviously uh, automotive. Companies have uh, made different announcements about certain years, 2023, 25, 28, in terms of like, you know, when they're going to be able to release some of their electric vehicles. I'm curious how long these types of projects take before Canadians can uh, realize and see the full benefits of the, you know, more jobs, stronger economy. What do, how long is a short to medium path to commercialization? So if I look at the projects that we've got today, it's it, it just, sorry, this is like a how long is a piece of string. It depends on the type of project. Makes it sense. Depends, yeah. it, it depends on which part of the supply chain they're entering into and what their commercialization plans are. Um, from an end-gen project, because we're working with manufacturers rather than just pure technology or product development, the, the effects are almost immediate um, because they're either manufacturing and creating new processes to enter into a market 
And therefore, at the end of the project, they've got the new process and they can start scaling with that market. Or they're currently manufacturing for that market today. Ballard, for example, you know. Um, so uh, in, 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 in the case of a project that is currently in the market, then by creating new capabilities, and by new capabilities, I mean, maybe they're looking at predictive quality control. You know, maybe they're looking at significant steps forward in, in environmental sustainability and their manufacturing processes. Then the, the impacts are immediate at the end of the project. And our projects are typically sort of 18 to 36 months, depending on the sort of size complexity. I, I guess, you know, these are kind of just words, but I think our track record so far is sort of starting to speak for itself. So we have had funding in the past um, and we've already, our projects have already realized $2.6 billion dollars in licensing and revenue, new sales to Canadian companies. This, these are the hard, real track numbers. So we're starting to see significant returns on investment to the, the projects that we've funded already. Um, 26 new companies have been created in addition to 2.6 billion in new sales. And you know, our program's only really been running for just over four years. We're, we're really realizing short-term benefits. Those benefits are gonna scale in terms of the EV sector as the, as the volumes increase. So as volumes increase and we get closer to you know uh, you know the total cost of ownership being on parity to internal combustion engine vehicles and and those volumes are really ramp up then that's where we see the big returns on investment uh, but being able to build the core now and strengthen bits of the value chain is kind of what we're what we're what we're trying to achieve i'd also say there's another there's another spin out benefit here is because i was just focusing on manufacturers and the manufacturers get all these benefits but the technology companies also uh, are creating new solutions so 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 an ai company and a vision system company creates a new optical vision system that can do predictive quality control yes the manufacturer gets the solution but there's a new solution that can go in the market and that can be applied to aerospace or you know the food processing industry um anywhere where you need a you know a predictive optical system so uh, all of our projects are collaborative they all have manufacturing and technology expertise. So there's there's different paths for each of the companies to commercialize. Part yeah. of the reason why we're seeing the big big returns on investment. Glad you sort of mentioned some of the other industries that would benefit uh, beyond tech, like food processing and aerospace from the work that's going to happen from you know a fund like this. When it comes to, I guess, numbers and dollar amounts, I'm curious, um, what's the maximum amount a funding engine is willing to give for a strong proposal? What has it given to companies like Polar Sapphire in the past? Uh, and what can some of these you know companies that are thinking about applying to this proposal, what can they sort of expect in terms of dollars? Obviously, they get access to engine's robust network as well and, and and partners and things like that uh, from a money perspective what can they sort of expect this particular program we're targeting 1.5 million to 8 million dollar projects so total project size and um, we're reimbursing at 37 percent. so the ngn funding model is you do the work we reimburse you 37 percent of the work you've done every quarter so in that case it's it's 37 of 8 million which is 2.96 million so the total uh, amount of funding that we'll give out to any one project is just just short of three million. The reason why we targeted did a lot of sort of stakeholder consultation. There are smaller funds out there, IRAP, um, SDTC. You know, there's there's lots of funding out there. There's a lot of work in the research base, and then there's some of the bigger investment funds that the you know, the governments are that are managing and controlling. So we felt our sweet spot was to be in that sort of you know one one and a half eight, to eight million where we can help scale up some of these processes and these capabilities, our capabilities, um, 
Uh, so as a feeder to maybe some of those even bigger investments. So we're really trying to kind of fit into the, the, the funding landscape. You know, we sort of uh, earlier spoke about how, um, you know, Engine is sort of open to anybody in this EV value supply chain, whether it's, you know, hydrogen fuel cell, production minerals, whatever it is. Are there particular industries or companies that fit into that kind of um, funding or f- that amount better than others? Like, I, I assume certain, you know, innovative advanced manufacturers might still be in the nascent stages and might not have a strong enough proposal to, you know, attract that sort of funding. Whereas, you know, uh, if you're in a different part of the, su- the supply chain, you might be a better fit for a program like this. Yeah. I mean, what, one and a half million, we're looking at collaborative projects. Yeah. Um, so m- maybe there's two, maybe there's three companies involved. So you're talking about half a million each. Okay. Um, say, say, you know, half a million, say across three partners and, and reimbursed the 30, 37% over maybe two years. So 250,000 a year. Um, so that would be the small, smaller scale. Um, you, you know, there's Ontario funds with, with uh, Ontario centers of innovation. There's, there's lots of other funding so we kind of moved up in terms of scale um up into the sort of ones of millions um so so naturally i think you're right that that will drive a certain type yeah project um it is also the gap in funding right now within the the ecosystem you know reflecting on it it's not we've got limited funding honestly we've got limited funding so it's um you know we want to fund a reasonable spread of projects across across the supply chain. Uh, we have thirty five million available of our funding, so we're probably looking at you know twenty projects, something like that. We didn't just want to do one big battery project, for example. Yeah. So I guess uh, finally, I guess just to end things off, I'm, I sort of wanted to ask you about uh, Canada's EV strategy broadly. Um, obviously, you know the, the federal government and you know across all levels of the government, where uh, is really focused on attracting um, uh, EV investments across the supply chain from uh, automotive companies. I'm sort of curious what your thoughts are on the government strategy and if there are particular areas you want to see our government focus on more, whether it's a, a you know a critical a developing you know some of the critical minerals here. Um, continued, uh, I guess, uh, pressure on you know global automotive companies to set up uh, battery plants or, or electric vehicle plants here. I'm sort of curious what your thoughts are on the on the government's focus on strengthening the EV supply chain here. There's a lot of opinions out there. I, I think the government's doing a really, really great job in a complex environment. You could say maybe a little bit late, but also you could say, well, if the volumes aren't there, then why jump the gun on investments? I think yeah. know, they've managed to achieve some really landmark investments. Um, the last budget had a number of new incentives for manufacturers, which is really, really important. Um, they, they, you know, there has been published uh, strategies back, back to 2019 when um, I think it was NRCAN released uh, um, Minds to Mobility, I think it was. So there's been a number of strategies. There's been a number of core investments that have happened. I'm not the government, so I don't, I, you know, I'm not... Um, yeah. We, we run a program on behalf of the government and um, we fit into a landscape. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I think um, there's been a lot of pressure that came back out of the Inflation Reduction Act out of the US, um, which was sort of a big knock and, and the, the government's responded with the tools that they've got. Um, there's things happening with, you know, the Strategic Innovation Fund, there's things happening with Canadian Innovation Corporation and, and the role that, that they might play with, with IROC going in there. So There have been analysts and people saying like you said 
or that you that you mentioned, why jump the gun? You know, if the data isn't there and the adoption rates aren't there uh, when it comes to electric vehicles, uh, you know, why are we making these uh, in investments uh, right now in, in an EV supply chain? And we don't when we're not 100 percent sure how it's going to pan out. How would you sort of answer that? Yeah, I think the data is absolutely there. Yeah. Every country, every country in the world has been investing for much, much longer than North America. Europe yeah. pulled together the European Battery Alliance in 2017 to pull all the member states together to start building these value chains. The investments in those facilities are quite staggering. North America is coming online. Uh, the adoption rates are going to be there. The volumes are there. You know, when the Teslas are around and they're saying what's coming, that's great. But when the big vehicle manufacturers turn on the systems, that's the signal, right? Yeah. You know, when, yeah. when Volkswagen groups and the Ford Motor Companies and, you know, Honda, GM, when, they, when they start turning on the machines, these are massive companies. So yeah, you've got to move. You can't wait. And and if we if you wait, then you will miss the product cycle. You'll miss yeah. that first generation. And then you can sit and wait until the next generation comes along. The starting guns do fired. The big companies have turned on the machines. We gotta we gotta move. And we can. And, and we can. And, and and not to big up NGN, like because I'm at NGN, we've proven we can stand up a program really, really quickly. And we can be agile and we can say, okay, all the data is pointing towards we need to start building supply chains. We've got 18, 24 months to really make an impact. And then we'll start to see the volumes come up. You know, 2025 volumes are going to start, you know, we've got the projections. That it's not going to be 100% accurate, but we know where things are heading. I think that takes care of you know all the questions that I had, John. Uh, this was uh, really elucidating, and uh, I feel like I got a lot out of this uh, uh, this uh, questionnaire. And thank you. I know how busy you must be, so I appreciate you sitting down with me. Take care. Bye.